This is Kari Gale. And this is Tony Critz. Welcome to the Pilgrim Lost Podcast, a space for those who wander and wonder. Good morning, Tony. Well, hello, Kari. How are you? I'm doing pretty good on this May day. May day. Hey, um, what's going on in life? You okay? Taking care of things? Hanging in, yeah. I was uh, enjoying being out in the world yesterday. I went on a little walk and walk. I, I do this little little 40 minute lap around my neighborhood. And nice. uh, yeah, I mean, I live in a really beautiful neighborhood. I'm very lucky to be in the Irvington neighborhood of Portland and lots of gorgeous houses and parks and things. And uh, so I walked through the park, Irvington Park, and it was really kind of amazing because I don't think I saw that many masks. Really? I think I, yeah, I think I, I mean, there was baseball happening in both fields. There were birthday parties. There were kids everywhere. And I, you know, I saw a few masks, but it was radically different from the last time I was in the park, which was probably, probably about a month ago. And uh, it felt almost, dare I say it, normal. Yeah. The, um, whenever it was last Thursday, I think that the CDC came out and said that if you're fully vaccinated, you don't need masks inside or out. And that's really going to change. It's really going to change the the way we see the world. Yeah. I think there's a little bit of, uh, insecurity perhaps, or trepidation maybe is a better word with the folks I've talked to in just, being trying to still be considerate of people and still trying to be aware of people's boundaries and sort of comfortability levels. Is that even a word? Comfortability? Sure. We'll make it. It is one today. Yeah. So just that idea of, you know, I'm vaccinated. I don't know. I, you know, there's nothing to tell me that you're vaccinated except for that if you're not wearing a mask, then I assume you are, but it's a little confusing. (laughs) Yeah, it's, it is. And, um, it's disorienting and there's anxiety in it. And, um, I don't know. I don't know if you remember this story, but back, boy, it must've been like late eighties. The, um, when the Soviet union was breaking apart and, you know, tear down that wall. Oh yeah. And all that stuff. Um, that when all that was happening, there was a Russian cosmonaut who was in the Russian space station. And in the midst of all that happening, they just left him up there. They literally left him in the space station for an extra, like five months. Like, oh <laughs> cause they, they were too busy, like having their, you know, the, country fall apart whenever yeah literally and so eventually they finally brought the guy home and when he came back to normal quote-unquote normal he totally couldn't function he couldn't walk he couldn't he just he was completely disoriented um obviously he'd been left up in space in zero gravity (laughs) for i mean it was it was like a total of nine months but it was five months longer than he intended to or something and i just i sometimes i remember that story and i'm like god going back to normal can be wild. Like it can really, really throw us off balance. And, 
And I think we're going to be going through that. And I agree with you. I, the biggest stressor for me that I'm aware of, I'm sure there's a lot of anxiety I'm not aware of, but the biggest stressor for me is um, I know everyone is living by their own set of rules inside their head and I can't read their yeah. brain. And exactly. no matter what I do, I feel like I'm going to be offending people. So my sister and I were hiking just a few weeks ago and I had forgotten my mask for the first time really ever in the pandemic felt like a, you know, a little bit of a, an idiot. And there are folks, this was before the CDC, you know, this is obviously before any declaration, but we're outside and, you know, for the most part, you're six feet away. And there's a few times you have to cross across someone on the path or beside someone on the path. Right. And we were noticing the sociology because the people with the masks would look at the other people with the masks. But if you didn't have a mask, you could sort of put your eyes down. Like you were a little embarrassed that you weren't wearing your mask, but it was very funny because all of us were sort of trying to re figure out how to be around other people again in a way that was respectful, but at the same time, uh, sort of em embracing your own freedom to do what you want, which is an interesting, it's an interesting space because as Americans, we are very much about individualism. Mm -hmm. We don't, we don't follow rules easily. And so I think this is going to be a really interesting, and dare I call it, it's a re-entry. We're re-entering mm -hmm. into normality. And I think there's going to be a lot of uh, challenges in that, even with the best intentions even with the very best intentions. Yeah. It's, um, I'm, I'm amazed that I, I, I just feel like I'm, I'm moving more slowly than before the quarantine. Like life feels slower and the idea of getting back into the freneticness, you know, like going to like, when was the last time I went to a party? I haven't been to a party in for like the idea of like, getting dressed up or whatever and going to a, it just sounds so weird. It really sounds hectic be around all those people and having to have all those conversations. And I just, I don't know how to I do it I was driving anymore. yesterday. I was driving yesterday and the, the traffic, the traffic was crazy. And I'm like, why are all these people on the road? <laughs> I, I have to say, I did like COVID traffic. I really yeah. did. But it does seem like people are returning to that normal pace. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if, yeah, I, I agree with you. I don't know if my pace will return to normal. I, this feels a lot to me like when we came back from the Camino. Interesting. It feels a lot like trying to, trying to understand where we were and where we're going and this idea of the pace I think is, is, is what I'm thinking of that slowing down. Like, you know, everyone who's walked the Camino talks about how much they slowed down. And so right. even just getting, I remember getting into a car for the first time after the Camino was radical. It felt so strange. Did you I mean, did you experience that as well? A hundred percent. And one thing about being on the Camino, which is, it's a weird life. I mean, it's sort of a self-imposed quarantine where every day just has a few elements. You know, every day you just do a handful of things. You know, you get up, you yeah. walk, you have the pilgrim meal at night, you go to bed. I mean, that's, those are the events of the day. And in, and in there, you know, you, you 
bathe and, you know, do the different things you have to do for life, but it's so simple and the quietness and the stillness of it. And quarantine has also felt a lot more simple, far fewer elements. You know, I'm not, yes. I'm not running around trying to get things done. I just, you know, first of all, I'm, I'm basically home all the time. So it's amazing how much day, extra day I have when I'm not driving seven times a day. Like I'm, I maybe drive once a day and you know, you don't drive seven times a day and suddenly there's an extra hour and 15 minutes in your schedule that wasn't there before to sit on the front porch and read a book. I mean, there's part of me that I'm not sure I want to go back. I mean, there's a, so one of the things that I've discovered about myself through quarantine is I really am an introvert. I, my whole life, I have masqueraded as an extrovert. I've been told I'm an extrovert because I've got an outgoing personality and a dramatic personality. But um, the reality of the fact is, is that I don't think I am an extrovert. I think I'm an introvert. And um, the vast majority, the vast majority of um, this quarantine time, I've just spent alone, alone in my boat, alone walking around. And I don't think I'm ever going to go back to being an extrovert, pretending like I was an extrovert again, because I think it was, I think it was pretending it was, I was affirmed as an gregarious person as a child. And so I believed I was an extrovert, but in reality, I think, I think I'm not, I think, I think the Camino started that process, honestly, teaching I'm an introvert. I would agree with you. I am the same. I, I was that girl, especially right after my divorce, I really felt like I needed to have that social interaction in order to feel affirmed as a person, like that I had value, that people wanted to spend time with me. And, you know, I'm thinking every night, my friends were forever giving me, um, you know, kidding me that they couldn't get something on my calendar. And now I, you know, I have four or five friends I interact with on a regular basis and that's it. And I'm okay with that. And, you know, the Camino, again, I agree, it started that. And then my travel time of, you know, that 15 months where I was, for the most part, alone. I mean, I was interacting with a handful of people every day, but it wasn't, they weren't social interactions like going to a party. It might be a conversation on the street or a conversation at a pub. But uh, yeah, it's very, very strange for me to think that I might be moving towards being an ex an introvert, excuse me. I can't even say it. Right. Right. I, um, I don't know. And I don't know if that, I think, I think I feel like it will last. I, I, I don't have that desire anymore to, to fill my time. Yeah. So like, so one, my sense of myself has changed who I am, you know, what energizes me. And then we already touched on this, but uh, my sense of time has changed. I, and I don't know that I want it to go back. I think I want to live a little bit more with less elements in my day, you know, sort of um, moving a little more slowly. Uh, I like, I, I, I like having sort of that extra hour and 15 minutes every day that I didn't used to have because I'm not running around all the time. And then um and then I certainly my sense of space has changed as well. You know, I just, I don't, I don't need, I don't, I don't need as much stimulation. I don't need to be in as many places. I'm sort of more comfortable being a homebody, which 
I never thought I would say because I'm such a you know out and about kind of person. But uh, it's just I'm, I'm not as much as I'm so excited for quarantine to be over. And if I never wear a face mask again the rest of my life, please Lord, please. But um, but there's part of me that I'm kind of thankful that I had this experience, this sort of forced monastic experience. So here's an interesting question. Yeah. Do you feel like the idea that folks choose to go on the Camino, right? they choose that monastic life and they embrace it. And it's something that people strive to, to find the opportunity to do. They, they think about it for years and they plan. Mm -hmm. And yet here we are in the everyday, it's forced upon us, right? Right. Something we didn't choose. And I think it took people months and months and, you know, potentially never to accept and embrace those monastic qualities. They were resisting it because it was something they didn't choose. Yeah. And I would say that even myself, when you're on the Camino, because it is a choice and it sort of has a framework, I threw myself into it. I wanted, I wanted to suck the marrow out of know the asceticness of it and the simplicity of it and the opportunity to meditate and think and all those sorts of things. I sort of wanted to spend every spare moment I possibly could. And yet the quarantine was, I was more like fighting it. it yeah, exactly. I couldn't, I couldn't embrace it. I, I, it was very hard for me to accept it as a blessing the yeah. way I would have the Camino, which. Yeah, absolutely. And that's the thing that's so, that's so stark to me is that you just shared how many of those components are very, very similar. Mm -hmm. It's just, I think here, here, here's the catch. One of the aspects of the Camino is that we're escaping our daily life. And in the quarantine, this was our daily life. Yes. Yes. And it felt, and this is all subjective, but it felt like, life was being robbed from us as mm -hmm. opposed to it just being a very, very different chapter, a very different circumstance, like, like going on the Camino or going on a vacation or going or moving to another country or something like that. It felt like something was being taken from us as opposed to an opportunity being presented. And I think that's a lot of the problem of the human experience is it's all of our orient. It's just orientation. It's just, just orientation. our perspective. You know, it's like, it's like, you going from living in a full-size house into a, into a tiny home like that could be framed as prison, you know, <laughs> yes, you're right. I'm, I'm, you're right. I'm, I'm moving into a cell. I'm moving to this very small space and it's confining and it's bad. It can be framed that way or it could be framed as simplicity and freedom and, uh, you know, having only the most important elements of life. It's like, it's like distilled, it's like distilled living. It's perfect. It's perfected living. You know, it's all a matter of orientation. And so often um, our subjective response to things is, is, is where the prison is. It's only in the subjective. It's only it's so true. It's so true. I mean, I, I hadn't really even thought of that, but does that, that, statement about the tiny house is so true. If someone lost their home because they couldn't afford a larger home and was forced to move to a smaller home, it would be awful. It would be death. It would feel like death. Yeah. And for you, it feels like life. Yes. It's all just mental orientation. It's the only difference between the two experiences. Mm. So, um, so now as we sort of, as the world opens up opens. and 
open, 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 open. open. <laughs> from that commercial. <laughs> that commercial. I can't remember what it was for. It was for some shop, but the, the woman at the window. Open, open. <laughs> um, now that things, uh, you know, in Portland, obviously, we're the probably the slowest city to open up nationally uh i know that the trailblazers were the the slowest basketball team to allow fans back in um just with the way that our state works but now that things are opening up like do you have any like goals do you have anything you any ways you want to act out oh, <laughs> that sounds funny like i'm a little kid i'm just like ah you know um i think the biggest thing for me is just honestly getting getting the opportunity to sort of plan for my next trip uh, getting to oh, yeah. think about that again, getting to wrap my brain around travel again and uh, what what that could look like. Um, I'm turning 50 next year. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. Uh, and my sister and I were supposed to go on a big trip for her 50th, which got um, canceled for multiple reasons, um, COVID obviously being one of them. Uh, but that is that feels luxurious to be able to plan again to plan something in the future that's good um so i that feels really good i also i also feel like i feel like that i've really been considering my my friendships and my social circle and how how i want to be from here on out and how i want to invest in in a smaller group of people and how i've enjoyed that so i think i mean that's not really it's not any different than what I've been doing, but it's really kind of made me more aware of how I interact with people, how I choose to invest, how I, how to be intentional and really enjoying those relationships that are really give and take, you know, mm-hmm. I, I think in my social extrovertedness, I was always the pursuer of relationships. And so I, I kind of came to a point of really valuing and treasuring those folks that really, that were both reaching out. And in COVID, that was pretty apparent how, who, who those folks were. And, um, and sometimes they were surprising. Sometimes it was surprising who reached out. So uh, I just feel like I have a much more balanced sort of approach to friendships. Um, But my acting out as soon as it's open is I've been dying as I know your wife has been dying to go dancing. <laughs> I can't wait to get to a club and go dancing again. I That's just, right. yeah. I don't know. It'll be weird. The whole idea of being like in the midst of sweaty people again, breathing on each other. Like I want to do it, but it still feels very strange. That idea will be, it will be very strange when it happens. So hmm. how think- about you? Yeah, I think we're still like 25% capacity in restaurants and bars in Portland. Yeah, it's not going to happen for a while, for sure. Which is frustrating, but because I I miss miss sitting at a bar at 3.30 in the afternoon, watching whatever sports are on TV and just chatting it up with a stranger in the, you know, at the next stool. Yeah. Just, Just getting into stuff and talking about life and laughing and, you know, if there's there's an early blazer game on. We both care about the game. Just sitting talking about, you know, just dumb basketball and just making a f- temporary friend. And I just, yeah. I haven't, I haven't like just chatted with a stranger in forever. Oh, right. Of course not. Yeah. And um, so I, I really look forward to that. And, uh, this is going to sound really simple, but it's just so lovely to people see people's full faces. 
hundred percent, a hundred percent. And here's, here's another thing. Touch. I just, yeah. I mean, there's been so few hugs over the last year. Yeah. You know, just seeing a friend and being able to, to just embrace and, and not have to be weird about it. So, yeah, I am definitely looking forward to that too. I am. Um, one thing I am concerned about um, that we kind of touched on a little bit at the beginning is, is how, how to interact with, with others who are reentering at a different pace than I am. And I'm, I'm aware of some judgmentalism inside of me towards other people. Uh, either like, you know, there's mask Nazis that are running around that frustrate the heck out of me. And then there's also, I mean, I, I went into Fred Meyer two days ago. I went into Fred Meyer and everybody was wearing a mask still because it's Portland. Mm -hmm. But there was this one lady without a mask. Mm. She wanted the world to know that she was not, you know, so she was like strutting up and down and like, you know, you know, hair and boobs everywhere. And she just <laughs> wanted the world to know that she's not wearing a mask and I don't have to because whatever. And she doesn't have to technically, you know, but mm. I just found myself going, going, lady, come on. Um, just, I don't know. I wanted to judge her. I wanted to judge her. I wanted to judge so I don't, I don't know how we're going to do that well and be neighborly during this. Cause it's going to be six months of transition. Yeah. I think everyone's going to have to go back in their cupboards and find all that extra patience. <laughs> Seriously. I mean, really. And grace. I, uh, so my mom is, um, has chosen not to get vaccinated. And we had a conversation the other day. Uh, where I just asked her, I said, Hey, can you share with me, you know, what, what specifically is, is preventing you from getting, getting the vaccination? And she gave me an answer that I wasn't expecting. So my dad passed away last August and, um, I shared with you all our community that he had passed away from cancer. But in reality, he had cancer, but he didn't die of the cancer. He actually died of a process called immunotherapy. And immunotherapy is something that they do after the chemo that's supposed to be a process that helps. It's another, another type of therapy. And it's supposed to be easier on the body than chemo. And it's sort of a second resort after chemotherapy. And um, he was one of a very rare instances where the body attacks itself and it's like, I don't know what percentage it's very small, but his body reacted to the immunotherapy and that's what killed him. And it took him in a couple of weeks. Mm -hmm. And so my mom, understandably is not trusting doctors right now because mm -hmm. those doctors said this will be, this will be really helpful for him. And so it was one of those moments where you have a preconceived notion about why someone has chosen something. And then you ask them the story behind it and you get a, a better understanding. So for me, I'm like, oh, that makes sense, mom. And then she went on to say, she goes, I'm just going to wait a little bit, see how it goes. And, mm -hmm. you know, a few months down the road, I'll reconsider. But that made me understand her and not have this sort of judgment mentality of like, 
why aren't you getting this mom? So I think that story is just helpful to remind all of us, hopefully, that there's probably a lot of stories behind the reasons why people are doing things. Totally. Yeah. And the... I think our tendency is to assume tribalism around these sorts of decisions about getting vaccinated or whatever that, you know, there's, there's the vaccinated tribe and then there's the anti-vax tribe or whatever. And in that there's both the assumption that if somebody asks me about, about my choices, that they're doing it in a judgmental way, but there also is how we ask and whether it feels judgmental or whether it feels like somebody is loving and how they're asking. And I imagine with your mom, you were able to frame it in a way where she knew that you really, you just cared. You weren't, you weren't looking to pick apart her answer for the problems with her decision, but to really understand where she was coming from. And that, I think that's where we're going to really have to strive as a people, as, as neighbors, you know, in the big sense of being neighborly to everybody. Yeah. Can I, can I come with a free heart? Can I come in a spirit of kindness into the conversation and be, you know, tell me, you know, tell me about, tell me about how you're processing the quarantine. Tell me how you're processing vaccination. Tell me, tell me what's going on. I'm, I'm really interested to hear um, because I care about you. Yeah. And, and, and then ask follow-up questions, not, not follow-up questions to prove them wrong, but follow-up questions so that I can understand more completely. That's because that's my goal. And uh, I don't know. Yeah. Maybe. Good thoughts, Tony. It's, it's going to be a wild world. It's going to be a wild world. Is, uh, is, there, uh, is there anything that about quarantine that you just, you never want to do again? Oh, goodness. <laughs> I mean, I think the mask thing is the biggest. Oh, I'm with you. I... I think the, that (laughs) where you're walking down the street and you separate and go around each other, you know, on your walks where you're trying to be kind and you sort of have to do that dance. And I'm done with that. I'm done with that. I want to go to the Saturday market and just bounce off people, you know, just walk through, just bouncing off shoulders as you're, you know, through the crowd and Saturday markets. uh, It's like, it's uh, just a bunch of booths with people selling crafts and stuff they make and it's it's always crowded in portland it's really great i just i miss i miss that sort of lifestyle of bouncing off people you know it's it has yeah i i agree with you about too about that conversation i'm very i love sitting down and having conversations with new people and striking up you know a, a, a connection i love it and and i'm i'm looking for even though it has happened you know it has happened through quarantine, but it's been much, much more rare. I'm, I'm excited to have that interaction again. Yeah. I am too. And, and to be able to throw myself into those conversations, you know, even when I meet a stranger and we're staying six feet apart or whatever, there's always sort of this, we probably shouldn't linger. Like we should probably wrap this up as opposed to just having a no, if, if both of us have the time, we want to throw ourselves into just sitting here and chatting. Let's just, let's not have any rules or any hesitancy or, you know, um, I, I feel that inside of me. I feel the hesitancy. Yeah. Uh, you know, I need to wrap things up. I need to move on. I need to get more distance and those sorts of feelings that are, that are really inhuman. They're not, they're not the way we were designed to be. 
and I'm, I'm, I can't wait to get back. I don't know when, but I can't wait to get back. Well, hopefully in a few weeks when we have our next pod, we'll be able to report that things are, things are moving in that direction. That's I my hope. So. I hope so. You're fully vaxxed. I'm fully vaxxed. Yeah. The boys should all be fully vaxxed within a week or two. Nice. So nice. we're getting there. We're getting there. Get them back to school. Get back to life. Well, it's been good with chatting with you, Tony. Yeah. Yeah. Happy quarantine coming to an end. Let's go vax to the future. Yes. Thanks for everyone for listening and for getting lost with us today. Thank you for walking with us. To stay connected, visit us at pilgrimlost.com. Please comment, share, and respond. Thank you.